0: You're listening to Main Character Energy, a podcast that will teach you how to become that bitch. Main Character Energy gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how some of the world's most impactful disruptors, innovators, and creatives came from the bottom and embodied what it means to make it in all forms. Now, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome back to the Main Character Energy podcast. This week's episode is a live recording from an event I recently co-hosted at the Aster in Los Angeles. The Aster is a gorgeous private social club located on Hollywood and Vine with amazing food, great programming, and even better vibes. They invited myself, corporate quitters Gabby Ionello, Unstuck's Khalil Dumas, and Salary Transparent Street's Hannah Williams to host a discussion on career pivots that we're sharing with you right here. I hope you enjoy this episode. So it sounds silly, but just like little things like that, I've kind of learned how important it is to really set up your boundaries, to be able to like set up your system for yourself, to be able to set up routines for yourself, to remain mentally well. Yeah. Of course, like physically well, you know, hot girl walks. We love our hot girl we walks. We love hot girl walks. And hot
1: boy walks. In. And hot boy yeah.
0: walks. Yes. So well, uh, <laughs> well hot girl walks are gender <laughs> inclusive. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're gender inclusive. <laughs> but yeah, things like that because also it's just like it could be a rat race sometimes with yourself. Yeah. And there's yes. so many things we want to do. And I think when you're creative, you just want to do everything. And there's so many options or so many opportunities, but you have to like slow down and say like, you know, we, we can get to that, but I have to, you know, it's a marathon. Chill a with the like I have to chill, <laughs> ice shake is, and espressos. Yeah, no which is hard. Yeah. Cause I, I like espressos and <laughs> I'm a Capricorn and I'm like always doing too much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a recovering overachiever. So that's yeah. the first step is to admit yeah. that. But yeah, just taking care of yourself is really the foundation of that. And I hope to continue that in my work as well. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I'll echo that a little bit. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I so love that. my, yeah. And like as an entrepreneur, it's so difficult to be a perfectionist and to like not have a clear path ahead of you and try to do your best. It can feel really, you burn out so fast trying to do everything perfect. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the best part of the entrepreneurship journey is actually making those mistakes because you learn so much from the mistakes. Like the mistakes are actually the best part of the journey because they also lead to those pivots. You know, when you try something and it doesn't work, you're like, okay, well, that didn't work, but now I can try this. It's almost like... Failing is a good thing. And it was really difficult for me to accept that and to embrace it and to lean into failure and just not be afraid to try things that I was previously really terrified to try because I didn't have enough courage or trust in myself or my skills as a new entrepreneur and a new content creator. So, yeah, I would just say like my biggest struggles have been the perfectionism and just to embrace my imperfections and run with it and know that that really makes me who I am as an entrepreneur and it's part of my success. So, yeah.
3: that's difficult though. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that like, just to stem off what you just said, like, do you think that the failure part, like, cause we all had to get comfortable with that. Yeah. Do you think that was because of corporate, like working a nine to five job? Like, oh, cause yes. if you failed, you were like in the doghouse, like, like you're like a done. performance plan and yeah. you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, okay. That didn't yeah. go well. I guess we'll just like change the marketing, yeah. marketing strategy or we'll like fire the, well, we're not going to fire people, but like, okay, maybe we'll have a talk with our EA or like V <laughs> or whatever, whatever it is to like change things.
1: Yeah. You know, I think. That's definitely something you have to reconcile with is your relationship with failing. I think we don't talk about that enough. And that's something that, you know, as we kind of gone through kind of what we've learned, I learned in corporate, you know, I was a, I was an advocate for job hopping. I thought, you know, after a year, I get tired of the role. I'd be like, let's do something fresh. Plus I can double my salary or I can sway, you know, you know, negotiate that way. But, you know, I always found myself at, you know, that eight month mark, like kind of burnt out and tired of the role. And then I went into entrepreneurship and I started to kind of replicate that again, because when I left corporate and went into entrepreneurship, all of a sudden you're the person, like, you know, you're creating the environment. And so I I really had this moment where it was like, at the end of the day, it was, it was me and how I was approaching the work. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I think there's like always this kind of versus, entrepreneur versus corporate. Mm-hmm. And when you get into and have been in either space, you learn that it's all under one hood of capitalism. And <laughs> yeah. it's up to it's up to Amen. us to set the boundaries and to build the life you want. But in order to do that, it goes back to like the intro of like setting boundaries, really sitting down with yourself and being honest with what you want. I think that was the hardest thing it was aside from failure was kind of failure from others' perspectives, whether that It's always about that. It's really, I
3: don't care how much debt I go into. I don't care how many times I screw up. It's like when other people view it, that's when I'm like, the shame just sinks in and I just can't do anything. I don't really care for myself personally, but when you got eyes on you, you're
0: like, oh God, I got to perform. I got to do well. Absolutely. I think with failure too, I was having a conversation with a few entrepreneurs this morning and we were talking about that mindset shift from failure where it's, you have to kind of go into that mode where you're like, it's not- happening to me. It's happening for me. Um, whether it's like a client that's not a good fit or whether it's like having to change your pricing or you were being like underpaid or whatever it is, it's like you said, Hannah, it's like a lesson that you have to kind of learn from, but it should feel good. I think we are hard on ourselves, of course, because why wouldn't we be? But then you have to like take a step back because I know we all do it and we all talk a lot because we built this little circle for ourselves. But then you kind of have to step back because I look at all of you and I'm like, you guys are doing so much and other people kind of see that and see how much you're doing. But when it's you, you're just like stupid, stupid. No, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're literally kicking yourself, literally. <laughs> yeah, always kicking yourself.
1: And we should have started there. Like, we, like we've like we all gone through the journey of like, they've watched me leave corporate. I've watched them build businesses. Like I just met Tiff and Hannah today, but We've been on Zoom calls for the last year. I met Gabby over TikTok, and the first time we met was at my wedding. Like, it's so much more than just- It's kind of (laughs) weird.
0: It's
4: It's really weird. But it's just so much,
1: it becomes so much more than the work. And I think that's where, when we talk about going from stuck to success, when you focus too much on your performance in the work, like that goes in again to the failure conversation, right you're going to be out of balance and that's a huge learning curve that i think we're still all learning Oh,
3: still but i don't think we're ever going to master it honestly
2: no yeah. I, I don't. and that's part of yeah. it i, I think it's like embracing just, that there's yeah. never going to be like everything perfect like one day it's going to be great and then the next day it's a tsunami and you start over again and that's kind of the beauty of it totally. it's i'd rather be doing that than my corporate job i'll take it any day
1: yeah so you know i definitely want to phrase this too because again i i think a big thing when I go and speak is the audience is usually like torn between entrepreneurs and then people who are like trying to break out from corporate or trying to just optimize corporate. So like given your experience and we'll go to you Tiff, like what were some of those things that, that you would recommend someone really look at if they're trying to change the relationship with work, if they're trying to start a business, like what are some of those things now looking back that were maybe really important that didn't seem important at first, but have really led to your success?
0: Okay. Two things came to mind. The first is like really channeling your soft skills. So Mm -hmm. we were talking about like the rush to learn all your skills and be like a marketing guru and a sales guru. And it's not that it's more like your soft skills. Like, yeah, like how can I connect to people And how do I like show up in the world and what's kind of like a passion of mine? What am I naturally good at drawn to um, outside of like hard skills? Because those are transferable. Like a lot of those soft skills are transferable. You can like take that anywhere and that's what makes you you. So I think like figuring what that is, like maybe you're like really good at like meeting new people. Like maybe you can chat anybody up at a bar, like stuff like that that could be one. And then the second thing, which can kind of go hand in hand is everyone says this, but like, you know, networking and like just meeting people because just being very intentional about like who you've connected with. There's been times where I've, you know, met certain people who have spoke me into a room because we just had a a nice couple of connections, even one connection that was meaningful. And you can kind of look back to that person and they might be able to say, Hey, I thought of you, or this is something coming up. And Um, It could be very like mutual and organic transaction that can really help you um, propel yourself.
1: And I think that, and that's such a good point, I think being intentional with your relationships that's such a, and and obviously soft skills, but that's something I noticed is like, I was kind of a tornado through working relationships. I didn't really sit and nurture and align myself with the relationships I want. And I feel like we've all kind of done that and look at how cool this is. So Mm -hmm. I definitely want to highlight that and also soft skills. That's that's huge and something that I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for um, as that skill.
3: Yeah. Um, mine is really just the notion of dabbling more like I think for a while I never would allow myself to like stretch in certain ways because recruiters or whoever was hiring or you know based on my resume and skill set someone would say okay you're only allowed to do teaching or you're only allowed to be an assistant because this is all you're known or, or good for so I think it was towards the end of my corporate career anytime I had an itch or a curiosity or like oh I had this itch I need to talk to this person or like whatever it was raise my hand on a project um, even if it had nothing to do with my jobs or my skill set it started to open up doors within different groups and all these different things. So I went from being a bottom, I don't want to say the word, but bottom B (laughs) uh, of an assistant who really doesn't matter on Wall Street to being someone who was highly recognized in my my company when I was working at the time because I raised my hand in marketing. I raised my hand in philanthropy. I was doing stuff in legal. Like I was trying to solve all the problems just because I was curious. And so because of that, not only did it help like actually in my career when I was in corporate, but when I left, I was like, oh, I know how to read legal contracts now. Oh, I understand marketing. Oh, like- I, like it made sense that the whole all the pieces were coming together, but when you're so placing true. the stones to walk the path, it never makes sense until you look behind you. So you gotta dabble. That's the only metric for success. Like the guarantee for success is just dabbling because you'll find
0: something that works, and then you run with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Can I say that that kind of reminds me of some good advice I got in an internship like a long time ago? But I still think about it. Mm. I tell my interns this. I kind of channel this for my own self. But when I would work at different internships, they'd always say do informationals with people. So that's yeah. kind of what that reminds me of. All time. Of, like, coffee yeah. dates Just find anything. anybody, like do informationals with them, even if it's not your department, right? And I feel like you can still channel that. As, oh, you thousand know, percent. Every, yeah.
3: every if percent. If you were in a room with someone and they're like, hey, I think what you do is really interesting. I'd love to treat you to a $7 yeah. cup of coffee. Just can I pick, can I just learn more about you? They'd be like, oh my God, yeah. yeah. Like- let me tell you my life story and all of a sudden yeah they have now you have a production and it works really well but also like not only in corporate but use it also in the real world like one of the things i started dabbling with this year as you all know is painting and i did singing lessons and improv classes and like lo and behold now i have a production agency which the singing lessons and the drum lessons and all these random things that i did contributed to it so had i known when i started it would it lead to this no but again you throw the stones and you kind of you know go along the path and it works itself out
1: you talk about your most like valuable like skill it's a soft skill and I always say it's curiosity. Yeah. My poor wife like she knows like I'm constantly like looking at the next thing like when I think about my bios when I have to do these like introduction on bios I'm always like reading this list cuz there's so many things that I just am naturally curious about. So that's so important. Do
3: you have a curiosity right now that you want to pick?
1: Yeah, so I actually Not
3: to get all weird and personal. No, I'm just like No, no, no. I didn't know this, Andy. Tell me what's
1: going I'm su- on. I'm super nerdy, but it's been a couple of years, but I just launched an app called One in One. It's a habit forming app because at the end of the day, when I got, and I, you know, my whole platform's about getting unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. And so when I started to really aggregate all of that data, it's people get stuck with changing their habits mm-hmm. and it's a really hard thing to do. And it's not something that's really technology. We don't really utilize it to help us in that way. Um, and so apps have been a huge thing for me. And it's been something that I probably talk to you off a lot about, but it's, it's something that's been super interesting, but it's it goes back to my earliest childhood memories of like kindergarten, like getting out of my seat and just constantly wanting to learn something else. And like I mentioned with job hopping, like getting bored, like I just wanted to learn more. And so that soft skill of curiosity has really paid dividends.
0: I want
2: to echo that. Like literally what you said was what I was going to say. I yeah. totally well, agree. Basically, I know, This is, is what we weird. have a co-host <laughs> podcast because we're literally having our other
3: podcasts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, like when I was in my corporate job, I was one of those kids that graduated and even in college had no idea what she wanted to do. I changed my major like five times my freshman semester, like my first semester. Still didn't really know what I wanted to do when I graduated. And eventually when I broke into data analytics, I was still trying to find like my place in data analytics. Like what was the niche that really interested me? And I remember I worked at a pretty major government contractor, um, <laughs> Booz Allen Hamilton, but <laughs> and I just want to like shoot shots right now at them. Um, but they, I remember like I was trying to find a project that inspired me and everything that I wanted to do was kind of in like the marketing sector. Yeah. And I had been telling myself, you're not a creative, like you're not an artist, you're a numbers girl. And, And I like didn't go and follow my intuition to go ask, you know, like, hey, can I be involved? Can I like help out with something? You know, maybe there was a way that I could have used data analytics to help in a way. And I would have realized sooner that I was definitely in the wrong path. Like I was good at my job, but it didn't satisfy me. And so I really like echo that if you don't know what you want to do go ask questions go find different projects even if it's not aligned with exactly what you're doing that's a good thing because you're not in the place you're supposed to be if you're not happy where you are right now so go scratch that itch go get curious go ask questions it's the best thing you can do yeah
3: and you don't have to be in a put yourself in a box like you said like the numbers girl or the creative like you can be all of it
2: you can be all of it I'm still I use data analysis still today to do my job so it's like I've blended all these different skills that should not be together but it's like beautiful. Okay, multifaceted. I really
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. But like, yeah, curiosity is everything. It's so true. Like I, I've always been someone that's like notorious for writing what they call writing the ledger. Like if I'm going to do something new, I have to like write down steps one through 20 and I have to be certain yeah. that the steps at least one through 10 are going to work. And I thought was something that for years, you know, the good thing about that was time was never lost. And I feel like that was something that I always feared. Like if I didn't get it figured out this year or next month, like the opportunity is going to be gone. But- the opportunities just hang out until you're ready for them, until you really you really visualize it into existence. And so that was something that was huge for me was when I first started, and I go back to that being laid off, the first two phone calls I made were to those CEOs that I really respected. And I was like, you know, this is a really bad situation. Like, I just got laid off, but I'm trying to change my life right now, and I'm trying to work with you because this is what I want to do. You're someone on my list that when I think about what I want to do in five, 10 years, like, that is who I want to be. Both right away, two for two. It was like we'll put you on retainer and have these things to work on because we know your value. And I remember getting off those calls and being like, "Why did I make that so hard? Like, I just needed to ask. I just needed to ask the it's right just questions." Just in our nature. Oh, I know, right? Like we make everything yeah. pretty hard. For ourselves. No, it's it's true. I think and I think a piece of this too, which is kind of unique to the black experience as well, is it's you know I think we when we go into spaces we're different, and I think we always try to hyper-analyze. And fit in when all we have to do is be ourselves and Mm -hmm. ask for what we want. And I think that's such an important thing that if you take anything from this, it's, there's no, really no such thing as a dumb question. Cause if you ask a question or you meet with someone who makes you feel like less than or whatever, that's not your person. Guarantee there's 10 more people that are going to be there. There's, you know, at least four more that are going to be there. You know, there's another four that are going to be there. So that's something that has been really, really helpful, but you know, it's still up and down. Like, there's still times where I'm like, yeah. I want to meet a hand in Williams, and I'm like nervous, I'm like, what the heck, you know, like, you know, it's uh, I don't it fight. <laughs> I mean, I was
3: sweating bullets, yeah. even though Austin's really hot when we met. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, what am I doing? Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not that. I'm not that big. I mean, why would you want to meet with me? But here we are, girl. We have a podcast. Well, <laughs> like, oh, now special. we do. Oh,
2: before we knew each other. No, but also, like what you said about making the ask, I definitely struggle with that of being like scared to ask for what I want or, Mm. you know, shooting your shot. Yes. you won't get what you want unless you ask. And like that definitely goes back to my niche of like salary negotiation and making sure you're paid fairly. If you don't ask for the salary that you want, you won't get it. And if you don't ask for these opportunities, they're not just going to magically present themselves. I think we wait for the moment where it's right in front of you. Like we don't live in a rom-com. Like things don't happen magically. Like I would like it's to say, oh, We do have a lot
3: of magic in our group. I feel like a lot yeah, of really yeah. interesting things happen and they fall out of left field. For but sure.
2: But you still have to like be confident in yourself, plant the seed, make the ask, advocate for yourself. Like asking for what you want is advocating for yourself. It's standing up for what you need. So don't be afraid to do it.
1: Yeah. I think that's been the like fear of something that a scary financial situation, something like you just don't want to look at, you don't want to deal with. like the moment you start doing those things, it's amazing how your energy shifts. Like when you go into situations or really any situation without fear because you love yourself and you know what you have is special. It's crazy how the how the universe and just energy attracts itself to you. And I don't know if you guys are into that woo-woo energy thing, but I'm someone that, again, I'm like Hannah, I'm, I'm data, I'm science, like I'm not woo-woo. And it's something that's been super eye-opening to me. Again, something that I just value so much here because I know you guys, I know Gabby. Oh,
3: I got my tinfoil hat on. You yeah, guys yeah, know yeah. I'm weird. Yeah.
1: You're my weird I mean, person. I'm
3: weird. I look, so weird. <laughs> I look like an alien, but I love it. We're here for it.
1: Yeah. I love it. Um, I love
5: it.
3: <laughs>
1: a big thing that I think we're, we're starting to get to is like, again, like I'm obsessed with like why people get stuck. Like what causes that it feels like a human condition. It feels like something that's just natural and not a bad thing. And I think that's something that I always felt, but what I'm starting to pinpoint is it's this shift from this old identity to a new one. And I'm still kind of articulating that, but I would love to hear from like your vantage point. Like when you think about your like quote unquote new identity now, like what are you most proud of?
0: Well, I'm TIFF 2.0 now. <laughs>
1: um,
0: that's been a thing lately, Yeah. but new identity. Wow. I guess the first thing that I'd want to point out is like in this space that you create for yourself like, you got to be okay with continuing to reinvent it. Yes. And continuing yeah. to be like, you don't have to stick to this one identity, or you don't have to like make a place or a thing or an industry or a niche your identity. And I think we, well, maybe I'll, I'll speak for myself. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I was doing that a lot, especially when you're like, what is my business? Who do I serve? And like, you want to get really granular and you like really want to like, everyone's like niche down, niche down. Anyone who makes content, you're like, oh my God, um, (laughs) niche down, niche down. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, holy crap. But, um, (laughs) what I think that you need to be able to do is like, yeah, continue to like dabble, try things, reinvent yourself. It's okay. If you're like, if you ventured off from what you did before and that it takes time to kind of get to a point where you're like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what my Mm -hmm. business is. And I think I know for myself, I was like very desperate to like be that person already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I've been an entrepreneur for like a year now. Like, I feel like I should have this. I feel like I should have like my elevator pitch down and like all this, but then it's like, it's evolving for a reason. Like, I've also learned that, you know, with the things that I'm trying to reinvent, there has to be a point when your pencil's down and yeah. you're like, okay, this is, I have to put it out there. Like done is better than perfect. Yeah. That's it. And so there's that reinvention. That's kind of something that I'm still working on, but
1: yeah. um, you got to be you, patient you, with you, uh,
0: yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got to be patient. I always tell you that. Yeah. Be patient. I, I and I, mean, I have to take a little, my own advice.
1: Two cards, just so we have the questions. <laughs> and I'm like sitting here looking at the typos. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, there it is again. There's that perfectionism. It's fine. Gabby, like from you in this, in this stepping into new self, like I know there's a lot, it's a rocky road. It's, it's
3: a lot to unpack, but yeah, let's just say I didn't dress like this before. I was, I, was, <laughs> I didn't, I was not like this at all. So I wore black, green, blue, quiet, Not opinionated. No, I don't want to say no personality, but like I just made myself so small, shrunk down, was in the behind the scenes, like didn't want to be, didn't want to stand out, didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Like I didn't want to be me because I just thought it was a scary thing to do. And so unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, us doing our media tour that happened, like again, we talk about magic, like that just came out of the blue. Like all of a sudden this woman from the New York Times emailed me and I was like, me? Why do you want to talk to me? I don't know why. (laughs) Um, And then everything blew up and we weren't prepared for that. Before I became this version, I wasn't prepared prepared for that. And it Mm -hmm. sparked an entire year of like reinventing myself where I had to like, again, go, go to singing lessons and paint and like do all these weird things to like uncover, okay, who's the actual person who I need to become in order to like have a podcast that's globally recognized and grow a following. And like, again, have a business that actually monetizes because for two years, my business didn't, and you know what? It sucked. So, you know, for that reason, it was like, my life was on pause for the, you know, the business was on pause, wasn't making money, things weren't coming through. And so for that, When you're stuck, it's for a reason. And so in this case, it's because I needed to change who I was. And now we're picking up momentum and the business is like thriving again and we're we're making traction. Become who you are, you mean. Become who you are. Exactly, yeah. 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 So I'm becoming what I wasn't, becoming (laughs) who I am, right? But like when I'm stuck and things aren't in flow and they're not popping up, that to me is a huge indicator. Like we've done like something wrong. Like we are not where we're supposed to be because the wheels are not greased and they're not turning. So that's when you have to sit back and be like, okay, we're going to do the hard things and, you know, have the breakup and lose the friends and move across the country. And like, and I'm also crazy. And I do things like that to try to make <laughs> things happen. Cause I'm change, like, change
1: of environments. Important. I
3: change everything all the time yeah. for that reason of like, something's going to happen. And if I have to control it, I'm going to do it. But it's a hard process and you don't know when it's going to happen. But when you're stuck, it's because of that reason. Like you have yeah. to go undergo through the, like, Dark night of the soul, as they say, or like the internal shedding that happens. It's, it's part of the process, even though it's really sucky.
1: One of the cornerstones of my whole platform is just get started for two minutes. I've learned that that removes so much resistance to anything you want to do. Like it could be cleaning your room. It could be researching something you want to do. It could be starting a business. It could be going for a new position. Just getting started is the key. I spent years just not wanting to get started. And I can't tell you how that physically manifests, it can be really tough and so the moment you kind of let go of that and that's partly because I mean probably half of us in the room have ADHD to some degree mm-hmm. it's really tough to navigate that and that was something that I realized attributed to quite a bit of it but yeah just getting started is is so powerful and it's something that I'm trying to convey to people on scale
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I would say more so, Hannah, to point out, I have, like, practical things that I'm learning. I didn't realize, like, I think corporate really brainwashed me to see work as 9 to 5. Like, mm-hmm. that is, you have to work 9 to 5, and those are your hours. When I went full-time, like, entrepreneur, I tried to go by the 9 to 5, but I realized, like, I can't get work done past like 12 o'clock. Like I would wake up at 6am and bang out like four hours of really good work. And then like, I can't keep going. And I would feel so bad about myself. Like I'd, I'd beat myself up for it. Like I used to do this in corporate all the time. You know, why can't I do this? And I learned that you have to really learn how your body works and what those time zones are. Cause we yeah. all have those time zones that we actually work better than others. And The nine to five is just like a social construct. You can get a good amount of work done, not in a nine, eight eight to nine hour day, like a couple hours is good enough, you know? And that was really hard for me to learn. The second thing was kind of what you were saying is that when you go so hard for so long and then you feel like you're stuck, I feel like my gut instinct was to like go harder. Like, oh, I'm not doing the right things. Like, let me go do something else and that'll inspire me. Yep. Uh -uh. (laughs) definitely not the right thing to do. It means you have to slow down. And for me, like forcing myself to like take the day off because I'm, completely burnt out and i just like won't let myself realize it was really difficult but mm-hmm. huge for productivity and like growing yeah. my business once speak i realized on it, it.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. speak yeah. on it it's really hard like sometimes to you give yourself a day off well yeah and to give yourself yeah. a day well and, and the days
3: and really really like, productive, a day like, like yeah. are not actually let me go and sit on a computer it's like i'm gonna go walk for three hours because i need some creative buzz and i can't get it sitting in front of yeah. the computer so i guess we're gonna do that today like whatever yeah, it looks like weird things. things like, I mean, like,
0: I have to, like, I was just talking about this with my family. Like, I have to, you know, maybe work in one spot for an hour. Then I have to change my scenery. I have to, like, mm-hmm. walk and then work in another place for an hour. And, like, these little things that my family's starting to pick up on, which I probably think is funny. But it's, but like, it's just how I use yeah, the coffee
3: addiction, normal. though. Because no. every time you go to a new coffee shop, you got to buy another espresso. So it's yeah. it's it's kind of bad. but I, I don't hear
0: a problem. <laughs> that's <laughs> why you get a membership. Well, you start like your eye, know, like, you
3: can't focus anymore, then it's a problem.
1: Bit. Yeah, and, and that's and the, the biggest thing is that how, how it makes you feel, right? All these things make you feel more in alignment with with who you are. I love trying this like inside out approach, which has been, I think we all do this to a degree. It's like, how do I want to feel first? Yep. And I start to figure out, right? So if I, if I want to start a business, if I want to move up in the corporate ladder, if I want to just go on more walks, if I want to paint, right? Like, like, how do I want to feel doing that? And that starts to slowly align you with the action that it's going to take. And I think that's the most important thing that I've learned is that it takes action, not only in just this capitalistic part, but also action in your own personal life to take care of yourself, to mm-hmm. do the things that bring you joy. I think that gets lost so much. And I'm so grateful for you three because I feel like you're constantly reminding me of this. I'm really bad at it. i like... I'm a worker bee. I like to. I like to get things done. You I
2: love like, to work.
1: Yeah. I love to. I love to see things. I love to see things come to life, and I love to see the inner workings of teams. I love to see that, but that's not everything. Yeah. You know, and and you it's,
3: take pride in it, and you're no, really yeah. good at it. You yeah. know.
1: Absolutely.
3: I mean, I don't say you're good at working, but like. No, I, I hear you. No, but I mean, you. in a way of like, y- yeah. you strive for greatness, and so whenever you see a moment of like. I can fix this. Like you, it's like your brain's like, gotta do it. We gotta do it. And maybe that's like the man in you. Yeah. But like, it's cute to watch. We're all like, so <laughs> <little> t- go, kill, go, we're too full. But, but I love it,
1: <laughs> and that's why, I like, they call us like accountability group. Like, that's another area, like, that if you're wanting some get an accountability. like we say. Oh, it's this yeah. has
3: been game changing. All four of us yeah. together has yeah. been the greatest thing. So
1: many times I call you at oh, two o'clock, right? or seven o'clock, or whatever, and I'm just like, you know, it's a good day, or even it's a day I just need some support, or I need to be reminded that like. I need to take a break, but accountability groups, account of, like this has been probably one of the most valuable things. I to think that me was right one of being.
0: our accountabilities, like chill out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chill, chill out like, a This isn't an accountability meeting. This is like a chill out. Yeah. You know? Don't forget.
0: Yeah. Sleep. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: so I think the biggest thing that if you take away, right, like this isn't linear and you got to give yourself a lot of grace and kind of take a step back and look at where we are in the world today. Yeah. And where do you want to fit in and what do you want to do? So I'm not sure if you guys have anything else that you want to share, but I wanted to see if maybe there's some questions too.
3: Yeah, maybe we'll do questions and we'll see yeah. where it goes from there. Because so we can just yeah. keep talking and talking. Yeah. There's so much to talk about in entrepreneurship. To
1: our large crowd here, any questions for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I'll have a question.
5: Yeah. Um, I, I come from an industry that's like not traditionally professional. Yeah. I work freelance and television and a like the whole corporate thing is not like, I, I didn't leave. School and go into corporate. And mm-hmm. when I was in school, we learned a lot of like, here's how you apply for jobs, and here's how you interview, and here's mm-hmm. how you kind of dig down yeah. some of that corporate lingo and stuff. But because I was never in a corporate industry, I feel like I kind of have lost some of those skills. And like, mm-hmm. our industry is a little slow right now, and so there's a lot of people in my industry looking to kind of get not strictly into corporate, but look at those jobs more. Do you have any like quick tips? on how to transfer what we know into, like, making ourselves presentable in a corporate environment. Because, mm-hmm. like, right now we go to work and we got drunk last night. <laughs> 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 oh, God, there's things I should have done. Yeah. Like, you know, we're all very casual with things, which obviously is not office environment. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that could be a that could be a positive though. That could be yeah. a step. I have found that no, but I mean, really, right? We I think we try to put ourselves in boxes because that's what corporate makes us do, right? Be quiet, be poised, be whatever the label is. Like you being open and honest and vulnerable, frankly, from a marketing perspective, is the, where the future of this world is going. In so yeah. you actually are ahead of the game. Yeah. But think of it as a positive. Like, how can I spin this? You're going to be the person that people actually trust because you're you're going to speak honestly. Like, if you think about HR, none of us in our corporate jobs I could probably vouch for we didn't trust HR. Because they are full of BS. But yeah. if you were that person who we know, like, no, exactly, right? Wait, are you HR?
1: No. no okay. No, I, I, just like, I
0: just
3: sorry, laughed. I, know, I just laughed. I take so it back. Okay. i <laughs> love <laughs> okay. HR. Whoops. Um, yeah, never coming back, I guess. Not invited here. So, <laughs> look at us as, as a positive, right? So think about that, and then say, you know, like, I, I will do honest work and trustworthy. those are valuable skills. You may think that they're not, but they're actually top yeah. tier. Like anyone can learn a physical skill and go to school and learn a program. Character is what's really going to move the needle for you. So just harness it and and look at it from a different perspective.
2: I would also say like, speaking data, but I know one of the biggest things like on a resume to, if you're looking to break into corporate is making your responsibilities and like what you've done quantifiable, you know, being able to say like, cause your skills are still important in corporate, you know, even though it's like a different industry, we still need you. (laughs) And so I would just find a way to talk about what you've done in your career and be like, I increased productivity X because of my fantastic photography skills, you know, snapping X rate, you know, (laughs) however way that you can make it sound like with a number that you brought value that you increased X is definitely going to stand out. Even if you don't have the background.
1: Yeah. And I would, I would echo that and agree. And I think the biggest thing, the the, the two biggest thing, one, it's about your network. I learned that when you would go in interviews cold and you would have this pressure of like, this person doesn't know me, I have to like prove my value That's really tough. And most of the time, that's not the environment for you. The biggest thing that I would think you should do is go look around and see, like, who do you want to emulate? Like, who do you respect? Like, what work do you want to do? And go talk to them because you're going to learn two things. Well, it's going to do a lot of things. One, it's going to show them that you're looking for something and they might have something for you. But two, you get to pick their brain. Like, and I think it goes back to data and numbers. Like, what do you care about and how can you support that leader? the biggest thing in my career that I always would champion and what I would always tell my future managers is I'm here to make you look great because if I do that, I'm going to look great. Right. And so I always came from the mindset of helping. That's something to talk about solutions. Like that's something that I had to like pinpoint about myself. And there's probably something unique about you that you help other people with harness that and go have those conversations with people you respect.
0: I'm going to wrap all that up in a bow with like the personal branding side of it, where you take all of that and it's like, you're leading with this, personality of yours. You're leading with, yes, you have these skills that you can quantify and these people that you're meeting, but being able to then like translate that into everything you do, whether that's optimizing your LinkedIn profile to like include that same language. Also even talking about like It's really nice and refreshing to hear what people do outside of work as well. So to hear about like any of the cool things that you do and how that might be integrated into your personality and what you bring to the table, whether that's charisma, whether that's being hardworking, whether that's being really supportive, those types of things can definitely be translated. And even like your Instagram, those types of things. And people are so attracted to people and then they want to learn more about you and
1: then you land a job. You're so good at that. I come to you You all the time. Like (laughs) I'm like, Tiff, I want to express this. And she's like, let me just put this in a bow for you. <laughs> let me let me show you how to serve this to the person you want to serve it to. That's a Thanks. great question though. And I think that's yeah. something that a lot of people are griping with in any industry right now is hard. I mean, we yeah. see go look at a news headline for 2 seconds, right? It's just panic and worry and I think that sometimes falls on us. So rise above it, talk to your folks, know you're talented and you're going to find something that works for you.
4: May I actually disagree with the feedback that you gave because I feel like the yeah. algorithms and everything <laughs> yeah. that we're fighting against yeah. And get the interview. I feel like, you know, once I even got the interview, I tried to bring my full self. And like, luckily, the work I do here, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the work I do here is really creative and exciting. Yeah. And they did want to hear about what I do. But, you know, I would go into, into in interviews and be like, yeah, I listened to punk rock all my youth. And like, here's all the rad shit that I've done with no backing or support. Yeah. Like, here's what I can do for you. I tried very hard to do that, but I didn't, like, I kind of never made it past. Yeah.
3: I've had the same issue many times. I've always looked like terrible on paper because my background was in teaching and I was a nanny, like because no one would give me a chance. And so, for one, I had to like go to Craigslist and find gig work to like align with all these random things. Like, okay, we'll do it for a month, and then you know, put it on the resume, and then great. But then also, I am a big believer, and this goes back to the tinfoil hat theory, as I have, and all the many wild things I think of, is that if they can't appreciate you for what you bring to the table. Like, screw them. You don't need them. Also, same yeah. thing goes for, like, when you meet people, when you go to events, when you have some sort of interaction and it's a weird conversation, like, you don't get along or, like, you wish you said something different. Like, it wasn't meant to be Then, Like, don't force something that's not supposed to be there because, like, yeah. if they don't like you now, like, they don't deserve you.
4: How do you get past the algorithm, though? Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys yeah. are very aware well, of that. Happy yeah. O'Neill's work.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. feel
4: like that's just, I, like, I can't get over that. Yeah. Like it's just shoving so many people in yeah. the workforce. But if we could just break through that
1: barrier. Yeah. I think I think you have to try a multifaceted approach. I think right when I got laid off, I think I applied to 30 jobs and didn't get a single email back. Yeah. That didn't mean I'm not valuable. That doesn't mean that I don't have the skills. It doesn't mean that I'm not wonderful in an interview or can't offer a team a lot. It just means that that way I was approaching it was wrong. And so it goes back to like the answer here, which is, You have to, in those situations, get creative, right? Everyone's trying to use that medium to get a job. What most people aren't doing is DMing the hiring manager on the side. I was going to say that. DMing the VP on the side, right? Having the courage to come to an event like this and meet like-minded individuals. It doesn't sound like that one plus one equals two step, but there's so much that happens. Once you build the courage to do that, you build confidence, you attract better. Yeah. But I think that that is something that very few people understand, which is why there's so many people stuck at that LinkedIn gate, stuck at that Indeed gate, because they try and then they're like, didn't work, give up. Where then you have to you have to persist and you have to go around and be creative. And I think that's something that it's great to have people like this, that you can go bounce ideas off to like, be like you be like, I disagree, like help me. Yeah. Right. And you have kind of people to be like, try these different angles. I think that's so important
0: you just reminded me of something when you were saying like come to the event or message them directly. I, this wasn't my experience, but I knew somebody in a program I was in in Toronto who was talking about how they had this incredible, um, not even a, not a mentor, but somebody that they aspired to work with one day. And they really like, like their work. I think the person was an author and they had a book signing in downtown Toronto. This person was like, I want to go, like, I I definitely want to meet this person, but I'm positive that they're going to be swamped. They're not going to have time to talk to me for some reason. Nobody came to the event. Like it was just, you know, it was bad, you know, probably blizzard. (laughs) And, um, I think like very few people came and the guy was like really disappointed. The author person hosting the event was very disappointed, but this guy came and he literally had this opportunity to like engage him and talk to him, ended up working with him, but like things like that, because you just have a chance to actually show face. So you'd have to take that extra step. Like I'll go to the event. I'll, yeah. You know, of course, like find something in common, like just like when you're pitching somebody, find out like something they recently wrote something that they recently did. That's interesting that you align with. Yeah. And then you can be able to kind of get in that way. But you do, you definitely have to be creative. It's definitely who, you know, which we always hear.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that, like, unfortunately, we know that even when jobs are posted, like and they get filled and they're like, who took the job? Someone that's somebody new or someone yeah. internally. Like, right. I think there's we did a statistic an on yeah. this. We did a podcast we did. episode. I was like, in, I know. A yeah, statistic. Was like, I think it was so 80, 80% Eighty percent referrals. 80%, through, 80% of jobs yeah. being, yeah, it's through so referrals. So even when you see a job that's listed, like, you know, the odds are stacked against you and the algorithm yeah. does not help. And there's so many people applying and you really like have to try to be creative. There's mm-hmm. no like one size fits all. I definitely recommend reaching out to the recruiters or reaching out Which to they anyone like. that works they, there. I, yeah, I know
3: I'm a, um, a recruiter at Google and she loves when candidates reach out, yeah. but she will say, number one, do not lie. Cause if you lie, like she, they'll say, Oh, we have the job posting there and I written this. And she immediately was like, Hey, thanks. But like, I'm not going to work with you because you lied to me straight up, yeah. but also like bring personality that was her approach. And she works at Google. She was like, I want to see your yeah. personality. Like everyone has the same skills. So like, I want to know about you because you're going to bring these other things additionally to it, but people would just DM and it's great. It's no, exactly. an easy way to do yeah. it. Yeah. And,
1: and also it's, it's being okay with rejection. I think that's a big one. I'll never forget before I joined that first startup, I had applied, I had, a. my wife knows this. Like I networked at Nike world headquarters. There's 14,000 people that work there. So I had an Excel sheet. I would go meet with all these people. I met with hundreds of people. I did probably 20 different rounds of interview. I came in second every single time. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I must be doing something wrong. And hindsight's 20-20. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just wasn't hitting the right people at the right time. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, right? And I'll never forget on that 20th time, one of the directors, I had asked him like, you know, why didn't get the job? He's like, you know, we really like you. At the time I was working my job and doing a stretch assignment. So I was doing two jobs for 32000 a year at Nike, which most people think Nike World Headquarters, so cool. Everyone wants to work there. And so they know they can pay dog shit and they can get the best talent. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget how mad I was walking out of that office because he called me green. He was like, you're just too green. Like, we, we can't can hire can't you for freeze? this. <laughs> and it, it was such, and I'll never forget that moment was just, it was, it was super sad. And I never, I'll, I didn't make it to the door before another situation happened where the CEO of that startup that I joined was also hanging his head, Chris Tranquil, because Nike didn't hire him as a vendor to analyze all their data. And I remember we, we just started talking and I was like, you know, I know the inner workings of this place. I know who you're pitching to and I know why they didn't choose you. Like, let's work together. And that led to my job opportunity. And so hadn't I, hadn't gone on that 20th opportunity, had I not, you know, if I stopped at the first door, I wouldn't have hit that opportunity. And I think that's when I talk, when we talk to mentors and we talk to our interns, I think that's so hard to teach because that, I know that feeling. And part of it is feeling like that. That's how you're going to get to that next level is being comfortable and being glad in it, even if it's not great.
0: I have a question for you guys. Have any of you slid into the DMS for an opportunity job opportunity or partnership opportunity? Yeah. Let me see your hands. Like how many people, yeah, Yeah, it's becoming like more and more common. I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes DMs kind of make me nervous, but it's <laughs> definitely like, yeah. it's definitely a thing, but I, I have seen well, people do that. And now that I think about Holly, your assistant I mean, did that. Literally yeah. And you hired her immediately. Yeah, it works. So, See, they're success stories.
3: Actually, The audio editor did that too. Yeah. What am I talking I, about? Everyone, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, seriously. Like
2: I get emails and DMs and stuff every single day. And every time I get one, I'm kind of like sad because I'm like, the role's been filled by someone who did the exact same thing you did. Holly, my amazing executive assistant, she started for us in January and she slid into my in my DMs. She sent me an email and she sent me like a really well worded, no typos, like very much like this is why I want to work with you. This is why I think your company is fantastic, why I'd be proud to work here. And for me, I was looking for, you know, she didn't have the background in executive assistant. She didn't have that background at all. But she wrote a perfectly worded email with no spellings, no misspellings, no grammar problems. And as someone that I want to represent me sending emails on my behalf, that was the number one Mm. thing I was looking for. Anytime I got a message from someone that asked me about the role and it had a misspelling or grammar I just trashed it because like, I don't have the time, you know, yeah, to like totally. hope that that person will improve that tiny thing. You know, like I can't afford that mistake. And she landed the job just off that well-worded email. So,
1: yeah. yeah. So again, there's a lot of ways to go about it, but I really appreciate that because it's, it's so true. I, I deal with that question. Constantly, and it's a little bit of despair, and right, and I just I empathize so much. So I hope that helps. I
4: think I was most pissed that I had this gorgeous resume. Yeah, oh, I have to have a
3: career fund for like even be. Oh, that's the worst. How you have to like take out all the color and all the personality, and it's literally just like, yeah, it's the worst. At Nike,
1: they make you make these career maps, so they (laughs) want you to like not have just a resume and a cover letter, but a career map. Your first question was mine. Like, what the fuck's a career map? I don't know what that is, (laughs) and so I made this like track because i was a d1 athlete i ran track and so i made this track about all my different qualities all the different products i that's made
3: cool. That's cool yeah that's really. Yeah. And it was super
1: creative and that's the vp of jordan was like hey man you like you didn't get this job but like it's not because you didn't impress like this was really great you know so it it's also doing and then nike teaches that it's like do something different and stand out it doesn't have to be like a grand gesture it can just be something small because the average person isn't doing and taking that extra step, and it's and that's something just to remember. So,
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's, and shout you, out to Holly. Yeah, shout out to Holly. She's wonderful. Who
2: got me here? Yeah. <laughs> I almost was not here. So thanks, Holly. Yeah, <laughs> you chose and, well.
1: Any other questions? I have one. Uh, yeah. When you started looking at going into business, how far down the line, or at what point, did you think that? this is going to be sustainable for 15, 20, 30 years. Oh God. Like, yeah. You no idea. Well, yeah, Still yeah. don't know. I think Hannah and I are <laughs> in this mode together. Um, I love numbers. And so, you know, as much as we talk about the things that are important, everything we talked about is important today. It's about the numbers and it's about the market and it's about the research mm-hmm. and really looking at who am I selling to? What is the problem that I'm solving? For me... I, when I started off, you know, and I always have seen myself as a CEO, even if people, my title didn't say that, like, I am a CEO. So when I started to think about what problems the CEOs have, a lot of the time they feel alone, they feel siloed, they don't have anyone to explore those fringe ideas with, they don't have anyone to build the infrastructure, they don't have coding experience. So I thought, let me go talk to some of my favorite CEOs and see if this hypothesis, this market is a good one. And like I mentioned, there's two, three, four CEOs who are like, we're building something, you're on retainer. So when I start to think about mapping that out and you do your research, how many CEOs are there in the US and the world? That's an unlimited, that's just one revenue stream. And so when you start to pin these together, like we all heard all of us say we're agencies, right? Because aside from, right, the work we do, we're very multifaceted. So we figured out, right, we have a podcast revenue, we have CEO revenue, we have client work, we have website builds, There's all this revenue that come together and you forecast that, right? And that's, it's not like a crazy, it's not like some crazy math problem. It's like a simple Excel sheet. And it's like, okay, this is how much I'm bringing in. And this is how much I'm accruing in debt. Does this work? Yes or no. And that's a really hard thing to to do. And that's why it's great to have leaders like this.
3: You know, I've struggled with that. I'm not yeah. a numbers girl. I don't like, I'm more, when you think about sustainability, I think a lot of people think about, oh, is the business feasible, right? Are we making more than yeah. we're spending? For me, sustainability is like, do, mm. do I care enough to do this long-term? Because so I, I cannot stay in one place at the same time. Like I like to do a billion different things. I change my mind all the time. And it's not necessarily because I don't like what I'm doing. It's because I'm really curious. So I don't yeah. believe I'm ever going to be sustainable in the sense of doing the same thing for 10, 15 years. Like yeah. my, I pivot every year, every two years. I don't even live in the same place for more than a year. Yeah. So I think you have to ask yourself, what does sustainability mean to you? And then think about that long-term and like also what you're, how you are as a person, because that's going to determine what the sustainability you know, checkboxes are.
1: That's the most important part is it's like, does this align? Because every major CEO you talk to is going to say, I get up out of bed to do this because I care. You know, like I had that kind of coming to Jesus. moment. like, I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week, but it doesn't feel like that, you know? And sometimes I come to you guys and I'm like, it does, but I get joy out of it and I love it. And I truly do. You know, I couldn't do this in previous roles because to your point, like energetically, I didn't care, but I care about these people that I work with and work for. And so back to your question though, of just like, how do you scale this out? It really does start at that human level, but then we do have to reckon with like capitalism And you have to hit those marks. Those are just... Because even with entrepreneurship, we're working with giant companies. I mean, I I negotiated a multi-million dollar deal with SoFi. Like, I'm all of a sudden in meetings with the SoFi CMO, right? Like, I can't bring in my entrepreneur woo-woo side. I have to be honest with what that is. And I have to deal with it. So I think it's having that dynamicness in your business. It's being honest with yourself and realizing, too, that it's not going to be linear, You're going to have times where you spend $10,000, $20,000. There's going to be months where $50,000 comes out of nowhere. You have to be able to really level set with that. And I'm more than happy to talk to you more about it because... It gets deep and it's something I think we talk about quite a bit, but Hannah, I want to hear your side too, because I know you're (laughs) taking the numbers here.
2: Yeah, no, literally the numbers. Um, (laughs) Practically like for our journey, James and my fiance and I, when we launched our page, it was kind of a different story. So like we filmed the same day we posted our video, it went viral overnight, like big time viral, not just like a million, like we're talking like five within a week. And so for me, I was like, that doesn't, happen unless you have something special you know so you have to also see how people react to what you create and for me I was like this is huge you know we're getting media attention it was like that was my moment and I had to grab it otherwise it was going to pass me and I was also looking at a couple things like I'm working full-time I want to do this full-time If I'm working full time, will I be able to commit the energy that I need to put towards my business to grow it to what I want it to be? And so I personally and James and I, we took a risk. Like I, I'm not going to say it was all, you know, roses. We looked at the money we had in our savings. We had enough to last us for about six months. And we were like, if we quit now and we give this our all and we go 110%, in a few months we knew that it was going to work out and it took a while for us to monetize. We didn't get our first paycheck for like three or four months. We were right on the edge there of it not working, but I think it was really like listening to how people were receptive to our content and like Mm -hmm. what the special spark there was that really made us believe that we had a business. And
0: I think we, we did it right. You guys are huge. So yes, Um, (laughs) great job. Um, for me, it was definitely because it, it started with passion, the passion piece. Um, I was really passionate about helping women-owned businesses, black-owned businesses propel. Um, and I was also really passionate about, um, helping emerging creators propel and, What happened was, you know, of course, during the pandemic, there were so many businesses forming and taking off and a lot of um, black women owned businesses that I was following were getting, you know, funding, doing really well, you know, launching here, there, everywhere. And I had a lot of friends who were launching their businesses and I just like was cheering them on. Like, I'm just like hype woman, but that was the passion that fueled the data behind it, that there were so many businesses emerging there was the need for support to brand them, to help them with PR and help them with marketing. Um, same thing with the creators and the creator economy, of course, booming, being a billion-dollar
2: yeah, easily a yeah, multi-billion
0: dollar yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, I was like, that don't sleep on it. sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> don't sleep on it. And so, uh, so yeah, those things kind of combined knowing that I was just passionate about that, wanting to help them and then seeing how much people were supporting them, how much funding was going into it, and paying attention to those industry trends. Let me to believe that, yeah, it was sustainable. I can actually center my business around what I actually just love to do.
1: Absolutely, and I, and I think when I think about like that scale, because you're talking in order to last five, ten years, you have to scale. So you know, in the first couple months of business, I was making like anywhere from three, you know, a couple hundred dollars, thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden, I got really good at writing contracts. I got good at. Really understanding the landscape of sponsorships first, like one-on-one clients, way easier to sell a company than to sell individuals. That's why I woke up Hannah and James did is amazing because that is the hardest thing to do. But what helped me go from three to four to five to six figures eventually is delegation and, like I mentioned, how teams work and operate. You know, like a lot of you helped me with that. You know, Hannah launched my podcast. Tip is my PR. Gabby helped me even with just giving the referral of her executive Gabby assistant. Gabby launched
3: your podcast. Right? Yeah, Gabby. Yeah, so
1: Gabby launched my podcast and you helped me with, you know, introducing to Holly with delegating to right. an executive assistant and helping with some of those little yeah, things. Yeah, you so,
2: have my assistant now. Yeah, we, we have assistant,
1: I know, right? Um, they very those,
2: integrated up here. As
1: you can hear, there's a, there, there's a lot of tactics that go into that. And it's not that you have to figure it all out. If you just, again, spend two minutes, just each day, 1% you look up and you're like, wow, I like started to put these pieces together and they're not perfect, but they're starting to work. And, and we, and we have conversations where sometimes it doesn't work and that's where you have support. That's where you have family to rebuild. But at the end of the day, if you have the vision and you have the dream and you, and you know, you can do it, you can do it. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, if you don't believe you can do it, it won't happen.
2: Sorry, I echo that so much because yeah. like I, we really believed that we could, and yeah. if we hadn't believed that, we wouldn't have took the risk. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. and it sounds so woo woo, but it's really true. It's like it, well, yes, in
3: business. You have to have yeah. faith. Like that's it's like so I mean, y'all know how difficult it's been the past six months for me. Yeah, like almost didn't make rent in November. Like my yeah. boyfriend bought my groceries one week because I couldn't buy groceries. That's how bad it got. Yeah. You just have to have faith that oh, I'm going to figure out how to get it done and who's going to send me an email on behalf of me to get a client and who's going to do it. Like, you just have to be open to it and yeah. hope that something amazing falls through because number one, you deserve it. But also like, you know, you've planted seeds somewhere. You just have
0: to be ready to catch the fruit. So it's just a matter of when. You were consistent and then you launched your agency like 10 minutes later.
3: <laughs> Trying here and yeah, you yeah, have so all these clients pivoting, now. right? Finding yeah. things that work. When things are slow, you have to just pick up and move on and do yeah. something different.
1: You Just struck a chord, right? Like that's a big one. Like we, it keeps me up at night. It's like, is this going to last tomorrow? Is this going to last? You got people
4: working for you. Now I'm sure a lot of people get on a job with the idea they're going to be there
1: for a while. Right. Exactly. People, know. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps me up. It's not me anymore. It's like, how do I keep this Making ecosystem payroll.
3: going? Oh well, that's the crazy thing yeah. too. You always pay the people you who work for you before you pay yourself. Yeah. So like, I remember the I had my podcast for a year, hundred episodes. I was pumping out content like heavy. That average podcast doesn't do that many episodes. That was crazy. And I probably spent about 12 grand in audio editing. I hired someone because I was so busy because things were booming and I had articles and all that. Like I was just doing all... It wasn't my thing to be doing audio editing. I needed to go create content and do you know interviews. And... I didn't make any money. That all came, that was a credit card, but I knew I needed help. And you guys, sometimes you got to pay for things and you just got to make it work. And the people who are around you, like we just happen to be for free when we help each other. But yeah, like, yeah. you know, generally speaking, you, you pay people to help you and they're to give you your time back so you can use it more effectively to make more money or make connections or whatever it is. So
1: yeah, that's the, that's the biggest one. I mean, Tori Dunlap, who um, is a great friend of mine, like she's scaled her business using $40 to a $5 million conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And that's the single handed thing that she always attributes is, trusting other people with your vision mm-hmm. and not going for perfection. And that even extends to corporate. I mean, when you think about your corporate job, like you usually just think about you. I think that was the biggest thing where I stood out and where people would get confused as I would come to them, like, I want to help you because I knew that if I did that, I would feel so
0: confused yeah. when you do that. They're like, what's your like, motive?
1: They're like, what, what's going on? And I was like, what do well, you want? there's six of us working on it together and we're all together. We're going to go further than if it's just me by myself in a silo. We don't have that. So yeah, um, hope that helps. Any other questions?
4: Yeah. Um, I may even have multiple passions, but when one of those fail and you do have to pivot, how do you know which is the next one to choose? How do you
1: feel
3: confident? That's a really good question.
1: That's a great question. I think, again, I think the biggest thing when I I heard your question is it's like this moment of like, one thing failed and I have to figure this out. Um, I wouldn't say confidence comes like a lightning bolt. I think at first it's a lot of despair. It's a lot of frantic phone calls. It's a lot of like, to my wife, like just rambling, like trying to figure out and put the pieces together. But something happens there when you try and eventually you see it. It's not maybe in the hour or that day, um, but to get like super concrete about like which pivot, I mean, let's be real, which pivot is one making you money, right? Because we got to pay bills, right? But also tangentially, like what gets you fired up? is it what you want to do? I think we've all had that moment where, I mean, I remember when you called me about your biggest client and having to cut your biggest client. And Mm -hmm. like you did that because it was like, it's not so much about the money. That's what's actually causing me to want to pivot Is this relationship's hard. And I think that was a really great example of like,
0: when your energy's being drained, like, you know, something has to go. And I wanted to also piggyback on top of that is maybe also look around to what other people say you're good at. Yeah, um, Cause I've noticed I, it's kind of the same thing. And of course I'm bringing the personal branding in, but like yeah. when you kind of ask people like, yeah, like what are my best qualities or like, what are some things about me? Like kind of asking those types of questions, which seems, you know, maybe like not natural, but of course to your close friends and people who know you and family, they'll have a clear answer. Cause sometimes people see you differently. Most of the times people yeah. see you differently than you see yourself. Yeah. Um, so I would kind of, you're good at everything though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, it's just having that confidence to pivot. I think that's a, that's a big one.
0: I would say step
3: towards joy. So yeah. as y'all know, like July of last year, I had a project I was working on that was supposed to pay my rent for nine months, completely fell and bottomed out. So I not only now didn't have a project I was working on, didn't have a vision, didn't have a team I was working with any longer, couldn't pay my bills. So in that moment, it was like, okay, yes, we're going to think structurally, like, you know, rationally, how are we going to pay? Right. What are we going to do? I ended up getting a side job, whatever. But from the perspective of like, where am I going to go next? Didn't have that idea. So I ended up going towards joy, which looked like hot girl walks and looked like painting and doing singing lessons. And like, none of them made sense. None of them had to do with what I was doing. It didn't have to do with work. It was more like, what's going to make me feel good, right? Yeah. What's going to make me feel like I'm actually in this place of high vibe and like attracting things. And again, putting my tinfoil hat on, like what's going to put me in the space of feeling like I'm glowing and I'm, I'm alive again to then bring me or put me in certain rooms or someone's going to recognize me or like the vibe is right. Like whatever it is to make you go towards what you need to go to next. So I just, Always try to go back to joy because when we get too logical and rational, I find that we do things that are not what really we should be doing. And years later, we're like, oh, I got to go back 10 steps because I put myself too far in a hole that wasn't aligned for me. Kind
0: of like when people talk about like, you know, the, what you liked when you were a kid and that inner child work type stuff. That
3: question for your podcast is like, it's hit both of us deep. Yes. I'm like,
2: share yours, share yours and I'll
0: share mine. (laughs)
2: Um, so I have a podcast called let's get coffee and I basically just do the same interviews on the street, but long form with people, like really get into nitty gritty of people's careers. And I love asking as the starter of the interview, like, what did you want to be as a kid? What did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? Like, what were you passionate about? And in the weirdest way, a lot of us are not doing what we wanted to do as kids. But if you look back and you like, kind of try to connect where you are now there's almost always some type of synergy there yeah. like something that led to you doing what you do now some connection and it's just really interesting like there's y'all social butterfly really,
0: over here <laughs> yeah me and mom we're just talking about that I got called like a social <laughs> butterfly as a kid a lot and I'm like oh that's funny I do social now <laughs> um but another thing too I, I love that question um my episode with Hannah just came out. If you want to listen to it, let's yes, get coffee nice. podcast. Um <laughs> But uh, she asked me that, and I've just been thinking about that so much. Yeah. You know, and my thing was I was kind of thinking back to like, oh, we used to want to do design, and uh, especially like interior design. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to be like a graphic designer too. And that's because I like to play a lot of Sims growing up, Sims 2, <laughs> and make houses on that all day. And then also, I, was always dabbling on MySpace and making layouts. And like, that's where I learned HTML. That's how I learned websites. Yeah, how
3: yeah. I learned to do websites. This yeah. is, I do websites on the side too. Because I learned how to code from MySpace. Which yeah.
0: is so Shout weird. out to Tom. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it always goes back to like in those moments, I think you have to find that stillness and go back to your roots. And that's why, I mean, even when I came on your podcast, you asked that same question and I cracked up because it's not something I ever thought of, but I wanted to be two different things. funny sitting up here, like that's my life now. And that's what I ended up going to is not being guilty about having multiple projects. I used to say I wanted to be a veterinarian by day and a chef by night. That was like, that was going to be my dream. And like today now, like that's, I'm in multiple businesses and I have multiple passion projects and I'm always trying to travel and go multiple places. Yeah, she thinks that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, no, I was not trying to eat the animals. That's a, like thing I always get. But just going back to that original intention, I think can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So please. I recently
5: pivoted from like a corporate 95 to entrepreneurship. Congrats. Yay. Yay.
3: Welcome to the crazy yes. side. Welcome to the crazy.
1: Um, but we did
5: really grow up in a very practical household mm-hmm. where, like, fives were automatically expected. So I always mm-hmm. say, like, I have an angel and a devil on my shoulder. And, like, the angel's like, be creative, do what you want to do. And then like, the devil's like, no, you need a an Um And I feel like I'm constantly second-guessing, like my decision or the path that I'm going and I always feel like pressure to get back into the nine to five just because it is practical. It is safe. Um, so I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but if you did do you have any advice on how to like get rid of that mentality and kind of just really go into what you want to do?
1: Whenever I like old Khalil, when I would experience resistance, I would run from it. I would overeat. I would, you know, scroll. I would do whatever I could to not look at that. I think when you start to stop fighting the resistance and become, again, like I always say, like the best mirror, like when you go to the ocean, like how do you feel, right? You're just like observing, like you're just being. I think when we throw ourselves into the fray of our ancestral minds, like our minds are not optimized anymore. They're built to make you dodge the tiger in the bush. Like that's what it's scientifically meant for you to do so. If you incorporate yourself into that, right, like you're gonna have that yin yang fight. But if you kind of remove yourself from it and again go by what you feel, go what by lead by joy, like what Gabby said, you can really start to align yourself with like what do I want? What makes me feel good? And like what I hear from you too is like this tension with other people's expectations. Now, if you find the solution to that one, let me know. Um, cause that's like a constant battle, but what, what helps is as you do it more and as you're more authentically you, and you know what that means for you, you'll unlock so much, but know that it's not going to be linear it's going to look crazy.
0: (laughs) I don't know if this is helpful, but this helped me a little bit um, when I was making that transition because it was, I was still, I I say this all the time, like I still was kind of living in that nine to five world. I think one of you said that too, like um, that structure in my head. Um, And so what I started to do, especially with like the content creation, entrepreneurship, tasks and things, I would kind of just try to structure it more to kind of get myself on like a routine and a schedule of doing things and feeling like it's not so crazy and oddball yeah. um, to be on my own and try to like create kind of a structure. Like when you would go to work and kind of know that I have the times when I'm sitting down doing certain things and yeah, kind of make things systems um, in your own way. I think that kind of helped me a little bit.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I,
0: Make I it st- feel like a job. Like it is a I job. It's st- your
1: job. I still use that structure. Just yeah. like you said, it's not a nine to five. It's, you know, it's like a 10 to 12, a one to two and I'm done. Whatever
0: works for Whatever you. Whatever works. And then
1: some days it is a nine to five. Yeah. yeah but I love yeah. for you guys too on yeah. this.
2: Yeah, I think that there's definitely some things that are really stressful about being an entrepreneur, like health insurance. <laughs> Those, I know when I quit my job, that was like my biggest thing. And I just turned 26. So that was a big reason why I took the risk because I was like, I have a couple more months to like live on my parents' uh, health insurance until I make the plunge. And so I did feel that same pressure, like kind of like a ticking time bomb in the back of mm-hmm. my head. Like, oh my God, if I don't make this happen, how am I going to get health insurance? Like all of this. I just empathize with your stress, it's really valid. And so I think that sometimes we just try to like ignore, ignore, ignore. And I think sometimes the best way is to like write out what is like stressing you out. But, and also on the same side, why did you make this decision? You know, like what makes you so passionate about what you do that you took such a risk? Like you did something that a lot of people are really scared to do. So, a props to you and like yeah. hold on to that feeling, but also just understand what scares you. Like, write it out on paper. And sometimes, like, there's solutions to these things, like health insurance, there's programs out there that you may not know of that other people do. So vocalize it, you know, sometimes like vocalizing the stress will open up doors to solutions that you may not know existed before. And so like, just don't be afraid of it. Own it, be proud of it, and run with it. Like yeah. you'll be good.
3: Yeah,
0: and you have community with us always. Yeah. So. We're here too. Yeah.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, get a community. The <laughs> one group. thing
3: I want to add to that, when you talked about writing, all y'all know I'm obsessed with journaling. So I actually will like write as I've been journaling over the years, like. I will go back and highlight moments of when I'm like, I hate this, like I don't like, you know, I'll do it for for past relationships, jobs, friendships, so that whenever I'm having this moment of like, oh, I wish I went back to corporate or oh, I wish I, you know, that I had this friend again or something, I can go back and be like, no, 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 this is the reason why we left. Like, this person treated me like trash or like they didn't pay me well or like, we're reminding ourselves why we chose courage, right? Because courage is a choice and not many people choose that route. And I also will do the same thing with visuals because I'm a very visual person, like you smell things and that trigger moment happens. So in my journal, I'll Put plane tickets. I'll put pictures, Polar, anything to remind myself of like either the misery that I was experiencing that moment, so that I don't ever want to go back there, or the joy that I had in that moment. Because again, it's all about feeling.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Main Character Energy. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow on social at tiffordie and main character energy pod to access exclusive content and get a behind the scenes look as well as resources to help you become that bitch. See you next week.